Welcome to another episode of Season 2, Pages Lessons. If you identify as someone who is ambitious, goal-driven, and a badass, you've come to the right place. This mini-series is specifically dedicated toward helping you create your dream life. As a life coach, I made it my life's work to help goal-getters like you overcome any obstacle as it relates to going after what you really want and making an impact along the way. As this season is titled Pillars of Creating Your Dream Life, every episode will break down a specific category of your life. No matter what, by the time you finish listening to every episode, you will walk away with at least one thing to work on, whether that's a journal prompt, an activity, a meditation, something relevant for you as it relates to assessing all the areas of your life to build the life of your dreams. Make sure to listen to all the episodes as each pillar matters and bleeds into one another. Carlo Romo is a dating and relationship coach, author, podcast host, and speaker. She helps people push through their BS, blindsides, so they can thrive in all aspects of their life. Basically, she's your cheerleader, here to help you win at any stage in love. I am so excited to have Carla as a guest because... It's about damn time we take a look at your romantic and intimate relationship pillar, right? None of us are perfect in this category. I can tell you right now, we all have insecurities, fears, trauma around romance and intimacy. And even if you are currently in a perfect, secure, functional relationship with your partner, I can guarantee there is always something you can look at to better yourself or better the relationship as it relates to your mental health and well-being so that you can create the life of your dreams. When Carly and I first met, um, I was just so immediately drawn to her and her confidence. Her Instagram is incredible. When we got to talking, I just really loved our banter. I loved how she is so knowledgeable of this topic. And I'm really excited for you to hear more in this episode about quote unquote healthy relationships. What does that actually look like? Things to consider if you're dating right now and ultimately how to live your dream life while finding or maintaining the love of your life. I know you'll walk away with a lot of insight and tips after hearing this episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Carla, thank you so much for being here and saying yes to being a guest on the show. How are you feeling today? I am good, Paige. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And you are also a podcast host. Um, So tell me what it's like to be a guest on the other end. (laughs) Right. It's less preparing. That's for sure. I can kind of just show up um, and not have to prepare as much. But yeah, I am a co-host of the Love Fix podcast, which is all around toxic relationships, dating, codependency. Um, And then my co-host is 30 years older than me. And that is Sherry Gaba, who is a licensed psychotherapist. Um, And so it's a really fun dynamic because we have this age gap and expertise in different, you know, situations, scenarios in life um, as experts in our field. That's so cool. Awesome. I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes for folks so that they can check that out. Um, You know, before we hop into this discussion today, tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. And also my go-to question I ask everyone is, what is one dream you had growing up as a kid? Like that. Okay. So I am Carla Romo, certified um, 
dating and relationship coach. I also have life coaching clients as well because I've expanded that, hey, it's not just about dating and relationships, but it's really a holistic approach when it comes to coaching. Um, and I really just help people push past their BS, which I like to call your blind sides, um, so that they can thrive in every area of their lives and their relationships, their breakups, their dating lives. Um, because this might be an oversaid saying, but I totally believe it's true to its core is the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship with yourself. And I think that at the end of the day, that is how you pick partners. That's how you date. That's how you make decisions about career choices, where you want to live, all that kind of stuff. And to just share a little bit about um, my dreams as a kid, you know, it's so funny when we think about our childhood and I, you talk a lot about this in my book, uh, Contagious Love, which is Break Free from Codependency for Damn Good. When I was a kid, there was domestic violence and I just never felt worthy or enough. And so my dreams actually stemmed from codependency and lack of worth to self. And my dream was I always wanted to be seen. So I wanted to be this actress. I thought, oh, I'll be an actress one day. And then at some point in high school, around the time I started therapy, I started to shift out of that. And that was the first time I really started to step into who I was as a person. Okay. So I love how many parallels we also have in our story, but with acting, did that feel like this is literally, I'm on the stage, I'm exposed, like all eyes on me, like this is me being visible. And so what happened to that career? <laughs> well, good, good question. Um, it died on the stage in high school. Uh, you know, I have to say it was an outlet for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to like feel things in a way that I didn't feel was safe when I was a little girl. And so it gave me permission to be seen in those feelings and to be able to make it okay to be seen in those feelings. And so after I decided that's really actually not what I want to do. And I don't really find that fulfilling. Um, from there, I thought, you know, I really want to work in television and I want to produce and make documentaries. And so that's actually my first career uh, that I had. And I went to school for that and then worked in Hollywood for that for years until I always like to say I went through my own self-love, self-growth journey continuation because I always say it's a journey it never just ends um and that's where I realized oh I want to actually switch careers and pivot into helping other people that's so cool well I think what I love about that story as well which just like when you were a little kid and like what you wanted to do and like the elements of acting is ultimate vulnerability like yes you are a character sure but you are still channeling in those parts of yourself and let's fast forward to what you do now as a dating expert and coach. You, you have channeled and, you know, you've used your own personal experiences, research, client stories, like you're using all of that data and emotion, right? Like that's very heavy emotion focused. Yeah. You're using that today. Mm. So I, I, what would, what do you think your little kid self would say in this role right now? Like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yes. You have arrived. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yes. Love that. Beautiful. So every episode of this season highlights a particular pillar when it comes to building your dream life. And so my goal for this season is to address all of the pillars as possible. And there's definitely pillars I'm forgetting. 
Um, but what I mean by that is just categories of your life. And you mentioned earlier, Carla, about being holistic. And that's my number one goal here is to contribute all the things we need to think about if we're going to become the best version of ourselves. And so today talking about intimacy, romance, you know, relationships that hold that other layer besides just the social or platonic relationships. Like this is a little bit more deep cut. So let's just dive right into it. You know, what is, I guess, what is intimacy or relationships? Why did, why does that even matter if we're going to build this dream life for ourselves? Okay. So I truly believe the connection with yourself mirrors and represents how you can connect with others and how you can connect with hobbies, how you can connect with making choices in life. Because when you are coming from a grounded place of being connected, therefore you're creating that olive, olive branch or whatever to whatever it is that you're connecting with out there. And so I always look at in terms of intimacy, right? When we're looking at relationships, I tell clients all the time this, if you do not have emotional intimacy, in a relationship, you could have the best sex out there. Like, I don't care. Right. But if you do not have that emotional intimacy there to share, to be vulnerable, to support, to listen, you don't have a strong foundation of a relationship. And so when you are talking about making your best life, right. And going out there and living and killing it. Right. When you have a partner that can be supportive or you have a relationship that aligns with your connection to self, you are able to be able to move forward in a really healthy way. Now, I know other people, okay, I coach lots of women who have really dysfunctional relationships or had dysfunctional relationships, killing it in their careers. But overall, they were using their career as a way to give them worth and validation because it was not happening in their relationships. So if that's the case, I actually challenge people to kind of look at where your pockets are, where the holes are here and try to connect, okay, so am I just trying to get worth, seek my worthy, worthiness and validation from my career because I'm not getting that in my relationship? And I think that that can even hold you back from going after careers that you want to or making these big, bold moves because of your worth, right? So you want to be able to just connect with yourself when it comes to intimacy. That's where the intimacy actually begins. Hmm. So when you're saying look at the holes, tell me more about that. Yeah. So if you recognize in your life, right? Okay, I don't believe, I think it's complete BS that like everybody has a balanced life and like, woo, we're good. Like that's just not realistic, right? As a professional who literally keeps a schedule, I have a workout routine, like I have a mental health routine for myself, all that kind of stuff. Like life happens. I'm not 100% in balance 24 seven, perfect living my best life. I mean, I'm living my best life, but I'm not always in, you know, in sync with myself, right? And so when we look at what these holes are, you know, if you, I'm gonna use this perfect example. So I had a client who moved to a new city. She moved there with her partner and they were both trying to acclimate into this new city together and trying to get used to what it was like in their relationship and making friends, etc. So she started having a lot of conflict with her partner because she was relying on him to make her happy. She wasn't really getting herself out there and making friends and doing the hobbies and all that kind of stuff. So when we look at these holes of intimacy, right, she was feeling vulnerable, which is a normal thing to do when you have a move. I, I always tell clients I've moved all over the country at different times in my life. And it takes about a year to really feel settled into a new state or city 
type of thing. So I challenged her, let's look at the holes. It's really not about your relationship. Your relationship mirrors something inside you that you have to look at. And so when we think about these holes, these pockets, right? Where can you put a little bit more into your cup, fill yourself up, so then you can go out there and go do these things and create connection and intimacy with yourself? Because then you can bring that to your partner. So she got out there, found the holes, right? Which is like some hobby stuff, um, just getting connected in that way. She was doing a good job of making her own friends in the city. But ultimately, the more that she put into the hobbies, the less conflict started coming up with she and her partner because now she's fulfilling her own needs. That's such a great example. Um, and I think that's going to resonate with a lot of listeners too, of just not feeling like we need to rely all of our energy on just this one person. And especially like with a move, that's very drastic because you are completely new. Like you're going to hold on a tight grip to your partner. This is the only comfort stability I have. Right. But then, oh my God, the pressure and like, uh, uh-uh, it's that's gross. So, but we do it. It's natural. Um, I love that example. So basically summarizing the, the intimacy and relationship you have with yourself will then, I guess, like branch out to all these other pillars. Um, because there's so much like rooted groundedness that we need to work on first. And I can relate to that too, of just, I also moved by myself Um, and I had to find what is it that makes Paige happy? Not, I'm going to find happiness in these other things. Like I need to really sit with myself with this. I like that. Yeah. And that's exactly what I encourage clients to do or anybody who's listening to do is to sit with that. And it's uncomfortable as hell, right? Like when you're talking about intimacy, we're not talking about the most amazing parts of your life. Like we're talking about getting connected to the feelings of sadness, getting connected to the feelings of happiness, joy, discomfort, anxiousness, right? Like we are talking about all of it when we're saying it, the, when I at least say the word intimacy. Absolutely. And I think, um, when you mentioned codependency, can you mm-hmm. please break that down a little bit for the listeners, like either define it. What does that mean? Give an example. Yeah. So I can say from my own personal experience, I was a very codependent person, right? And that's a lot of my story in Contagious Love, my book, which is about breaking free of that, okay? So I can use myself as a perfect example of what it will look like, and then I will go over the unofficial definition. There is no official definition of codependency. So basically, you know, if you feel a lack of self-worth, a lack of self-love, it really is low self-esteem. Okay, and there's many causes to this. Lots of times codependency is rooted from family dysfunction. And as a result, you become codependent and trying to fix, solve other people's problems that they cannot do for themselves. So you lose a part of yourself. So you're always trying to get validation. You're always trying to seek worth. You're always trying to seek a sense of love, all that kind of stuff from another person. So for example, I have a client who was in a relationship with a sex addict and she was being cheated on multiple times. um, And she just kept trying to, oh, but he said he'd work on it. Or I feel really bad for him. He has this like problem and, you know, it hurts me, but I know he does love me and he wasn't getting help for his addiction. Okay. And so at that point, it's extremely a mess. She has no boundaries. She has no hobbies. She has, doesn't even know probably 
you know, what she likes for herself because what she's so focused on is trying to make sure she's okay. So what that looks like in terms of codependency, and I always, people always roll their eyes at me when I say this, they're like, oh, that's not true. And they get triggered by this. So I want to just preface this before I say it. I think codependents are extremely manipulative and it's not in the sense of narcissists, okay? Codependents are, I need you to be okay so that I'm okay. So they will do anything and everything to try to fix, solve, help this person with whether it's their addictions, their mental health issues, uh, you know, whatever it might be in terms of the codependency side that they're trying to fix and solve, right? So that they are okay. So it's really at the end of the day, it's not, like I said, it's not out of a narcissistic power dynamic, abusive, trying to control a situation. It's rooted from low self-esteem and not being able to um, support yourself, right? Your own self. Um, so that is, I would say, the, the definitions all about uh, codependency. And anyone's listening is like, oh, this is me. There's, I always like to give people hope. You can 100% break free from it. Um, you know, there's tons of tools, tons of things that you can work on. There's 12 step programs, there's therapy, there's coaching. So I just have to throw that out there. If anybody's listening, who's like, oh no, this is me. I'm stuck here. Trust me from somebody who's a recovered codependent, you are not stuck. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it just reminds me of the hyperfixation and perfectionist tendencies that everything must go this certain way just kind of like control freak status of, but that's, but, but it's to somebody else so that I'm okay. Totally manipulative. And like, which is like sad because it's, I don't think that's obviously the intent. We're not purposely no, trying to manipulate. No, just, yeah. you're right, it is. That's it though. It is. No, it's manipulation. And I would say too, it's perfection. Yeah. You're seeking, which is apps. We are human beings. It is absolutely impossible to seek perfection. Absolutely. Well, let's flip the coin and talk about what is a supportive relationship look like supportive, secure, like set the stage, paint a picture for me of what quote unquote healthy hate that word, uh, looks like. Right. So when we're looking at a dynamic that is quote unquote healthy, right. Um, (laughs) and I, I hate the word normal, because I would like, there's a saying normal is the dial on a washing machine. Um, cause what is normal, but when you're looking at a relationship, that's not toxic, that's not codependent, that's not abusive, right? We are looking at a relationship where we have two people who are individuals who have autonomy in the relationship and bring themselves to the relationship. So I always like to look at this as like a triangle dynamic. So the very top of the triangle, you would have relationship, the bottom parts of the triangle corners, you would have yourself and then the partner. And so the idea is that you are yourself and you bring yourself up to the top of that relationship. You don't cross over paths because that's enmeshment or codependency, right? Those are lack of boundaries and trust and all that stuff, but you bring yourselves to the relationship. Um, So I look at being able to have conflict and work through it. Every relationship needs conflict. Unhealthy relationships, uh, I would definitely say do not have conflict. Okay. And unhealthy relationships have conflict that is damaging, that's harmful, um, that cannot be repaired. Right. So if we're looking at it from quote unquote healthy perspective, uh, you know, when you're working through the conflict, you're a team. So sure, maybe there's something that your partner did that really upset you. Right. 
instead of sitting there and being resentful and taking all your anger out about it and not talking about it, right? It's okay to be resentful. It's okay to be angry. It's okay sometimes too to like, you know, maybe say that little comment there, but then bring it back a little bit, right? And be able to say, okay, you know what? We got to talk. I'm recognizing, right? This is you bringing yourself up to the relationship. So I'm recognizing I'm feeling triggered or I'm really angry. I'm just feeling really angry. Can we talk about it? And being able to have an honest conversation so then your partner can meet you at the relationship, right? And the idea and goal would be in terms of resolving conflict is not resolving so that you're right or they're wrong, right? Like you don't want that power dynamic. What it is, is how do we work together as a team? If we're on the same team, how do we come up with something that works for both of us? How do we agree to disagree? That's most conflict, actually, I'd say in relationships is being able to agree to disagree and respect your partner for who they are, their own thoughts, their own opinions. Um, other, other signs of health in relationships is when you're concerned about your partner. Being able to tell your partner, hey, I'm really concerned about how you're behaving. Is everything okay? Can we talk about this? Um, you know, humans grow, they change, they, you know, morph into different versions of themselves. So who you were with six months ago is a very different version of who you're with six months later, right? And we're always changing our thoughts and feelings. So you can very well be in healthy relationships, relationships that are working together, um, that work through and resolve conflicts. And if one person stops working toward the relationship and being a partner in it, that's where things can get unhealthy. Um, so it takes work and everybody loves the fantasies of the Instagram couples that just look so happy all the time and so amazing. But, you know, I think that every relationship has their ups and downs and that's just the reality. I haven't met any person as a coach that I've coached who's in relationships that are healthy that go through their ups and downs with their partner. And so I think that's part of it, but it's how you handle those ups and downs. Mm, that's so good. It's, I'm hearing respect, compromise, agree to disagree, bring up your emotions without blaming or, you know, putting it on, the, just taking accountability for your own shit and what that brings to the relationship dynamic. I would argue or favor that in order for it to work, this is my biased opinion, in order for your relationship to be secure and powerful, there's got to be a level of self-awareness on both parts. 100%. Oh God, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so it's a little yeah. challenging when you're the only one or your partner's the only one yeah. bringing up all of the confrontation, bringing up all the emotion, like just the one-sidedness is very exhausting. And I can't imagine that could last very long. It wouldn't. And it wouldn't really be a relationship. It would be one person doing the work, which then can start to get into enmeshment, lack of boundaries, resentment, resentment codependency, <laughs> right? I think resentment um, can totally kill relationships. If you do, and, and, but here's the thing, and I'm, I'm just gonna say this and people might disagree. You can go all, to all the couples therapy you want with your partner, but if both people are not doing their work, then it's, it's imbalanced. So I truly believe if you're going to do the work with your partner, both people go to therapy or, or somebody sees a, I don't know. I have a client who sees me and then goes to couples therapy with their partner. So, you know, both people are do, everybody's kind of doing yeah. the work with this dynamic. That's so important. So 
Um, I don't know how much I've advertised this or for listeners that know, but I have my master's in couples and family therapy. And when I was in my internship um, and, you know, I, I have technically so many thousand hours of this work, but anyway, um, I remember very specifically in my grad program, them talking about you, you know, as a therapist, that dynamic is the client just how you were saying, right? Like this is the relationship. Then there's person A, person B. The client is the relationship. So it's so important um, for those that are listening. If you decide to do couples therapy, please also see someone individually that is separate because we don't want a biased opinion of, you know, you're going to couples counseling, you're seeing your therapist, and then they're not going to have the most pure perspective um, because they're going to think about your other partner. So please make sure to see multiple professionals. I know finances are a thing, but if you can make sure to get separate perspectives, that's really important. Yes. And speaking of finances, I know like health, you know, if you have health insurance, a lot of times they will, you know, there's couples therapists that take health insurance and therapists out there. So, you know, you don't have to go to the out-of-pocket, you know, (laughs) uh, therapists either. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely resources. Um, so let's say just like picking a partner, um, maybe for those that are single out there who want to improve this pillar of their life, they want to examine this partner that is, you know, I'm already building my dream life. I already got my goals for my career and my spirituality and my health and fitness. Like I'm feeling good with my goals there. How do, how would one pick a partner? How would you go about that? What do you consider? I have a foundation. Okay. Which is, I want to know, does this person fit into my life? Not do I fit into their life? So lots of times clients will go on dates and they're wondering, they're sitting there wondering, does the person like me? Did I say the right thing? Um, should I have said this? Should I have gone to this place instead? Should I right? like the, all the shoulds I should do, right? It's all a lot of anxiety, unsure, questioning yourself. My whole thing is, is that the very beginning of talking to somebody, whether it's an app, whether you run into them in a coffee shop, you get set up by a friend or a matchmaker, that is the beginning foundation of a relationship if that's somebody you're going to end up with. So so why not start implementing boundaries? A perfect example of this would be, (laughs) I had a client actually, last week I was coaching and she was like, this guy literally texted me hey, do you want to go to dinner at like 9.30? And she's like, 9.30, what? No, I'm like in bed. I wake up for work. Is this guy crazy? So she texts him like, sorry, 9.30 is not going to work. I'm I'm free for dinner at seven, but I can't do 9.30. And ultimately the guy was like, what? Like, okay, well, clearly we have different schedules and times. So like, I'm not interested in seeing you. Dodged a bullet. Imagine if this client had said, okay, fine. I'm people pleasing. I feel uncomfortable. I want him to like me. So I'm just going to go with it, even though it's late, but like, he could be really nice. I don't want to upset him. Right. Then she would never have known that he didn't respect her boundary. Right. He made it about himself and wasn't interested in seeing her anymore. So this is why it's key to start implementing these boundaries early on. Make the dates work for your schedule. Don't, don't reschedule something because you're going on a date with this person just work it around your schedule. And anybody who is respectful, anybody who has at least some kind of conscience of themselves and awareness would be okay with that and accommodating. Another thing as well, I always like to talk about red flags. 
there are relationship red flags and I'm not going to go into that, but we're talking about dating red flags. So that could look like anything like uh, showing up really late to the date, not being consistent. I cannot talk enough about consistency and dating. So it's not really about, oh, what he's saying, what he's not saying. Is he actually showing up and following through? Is he making the plans? Uh, is he calling you or texting you after the date and not waiting days and days and days and like you're an afterthought, right? Um, you just want to look for consistency here. And if there's no consistency or it seems weird or your gut is off, I cannot stress that enough. If your gut is off, that's a flag. And so I think it's important to really take a step back and look at here some of these red flags, which are rude to the wait staff, um, talks about all his exes or family drama or past mental health issues or deep shit on the first date. No, like we don't need to talk about exes. We don't need to talk about mental health, family drama, childhood trauma, like that goes later on down the line. Um, so you just want to be able to be conscious of this and nobody's perfect. We're all human. We get nervous. We get excited when we're on dates. Um, it's a lot to think about, but I'd say those are kind of the, the starting blocks in dating. Mm, those are so good. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of, I don't know about you, but growing up my entire life, I've just had this aura of people coming up to me and sharing their life story. And I don't even ask. This is literally, I'm, you know, 10 years old waiting in line to get a candy bar. And like some person behind me just like talks about their child and, or fast forward to I'm 21 and I'm at a bar. This like drunk girl is just like, you know what? I have to tell you this because, and just tells me her whole life. Just, I don't know what that is, but that's just who I am as an essence. And so of course it helps that, you know, I've been a counselor, I'm a coach, I guess. Like you can talk to me about anything. So I can only imagine the first dates of guys just, just telling me all the things like right away because they trust me and I just give that off. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> you know, I always talk about first date boundaries. If somebody starts to ask about your exes. So like, what about your last relationships? The line I tell clients to use all the time is, hey, I do think it's super important to talk about this at some point, but like, I think it's a little too early on. It's a first date. Let's just have fun, get to know each other. And we can talk about that way down the line when it becomes relevant. Yes. So, so relevant. <laughs> yeah. So then, then you're like, okay, that makes sense. Like, you can't fast forward getting to know somebody. And even if you've known somebody for years, a partner, you could be with a partner for years and think you know them and something starts to happen and you can all of a sudden start to see flags in the relationship that you never saw before. I mean, I'm sure you understand that as a previous couples counselor, um, but, but it's, you know, you never know. And so there's no set and there's no getting it. Like there's no rushing the process. Yeah. And I love when you commented earlier about, um, we're all human beings and we're all growing and like the person, you know, now is not going to be the same person really, um, in six months, 10 years, whatever. Yeah. Like we're just constantly in new phases of our lives or stages, I guess, like it just keeps growing. And which is also why, like, I never really understood marriage, <laughs> uh, getting young, being married young, no judgment at all. I was, I've just always been curious about it. Like someone that gets married at like 21 and I'm like, how, how's that going to work when y'all are 70? 
can you grow together? And like both of you have that awareness, have that commitment, have that open communication. Can you, can you have that at 21? Never say never, but like, I've always been fascinated at that, like level of like commitment, uh, at such like an early age when you're just finding yourself, you don't know what the hell you want or who you are. And you got this person to do yeah, that yeah. with you. Yeah. Props to you. Yeah. It's a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a lot. So I just have a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, so I guess for folks listening, right. Creating our dream life. We got all these pillars, all these things are looking good. I think I'm ready to date. Now I have some good tips from Carla, what to look out for, like my boundaries, things like that. You know, what would you say of making sure, I mean, you kind of touched on it earlier though. You did about, we want to make sure that like this, I mean, if we find this really great person, but we already have this path over here and I guess, like, how do you navigate so that this person isn't just hopping on the train with you because you don't want someone else to like follow along with you of your goals and dreams. They're not, that's not theirs, but you still want them like in your life. So how would you navigate that? Right. So the way that I would look at navigating it is that your, yes, you have your life, right? Like you've got your life, you got everything there, but I also think too about making connection. That's really what bringing somebody into your life looks like. And every relationship is different when you're looking at bringing somebody in. Some relationships want to have a lot of independence, right? Like you go do your thing, I'm gonna do my thing. We still have a solid foundation. It's, it's agreed upon, there's trust there, right? But it's okay, you guys can go off and do your own thing. Some relationships really like to feel more connected in the sense of togetherness and like to do more things together, try more things together. Um, so I really look at here about, again, back to that word balance, even though it doesn't fully exist, it's always it's like, what are those like, um, not an escalator, the moving walkways, you know, at airports, like that's kind of the way I look at our balance is like, it's constantly in motion. Um, and so I think when you're bringing somebody into your life, right, and you have your own life, it's a process. So it's not just boom, the person's in there. But how do we work into incorporating each other? We take our time. We, we, there's steps to it, right? Anytime that there is rushing of a relationship or rushing of getting married or whatever, moving in together, I always say just hold back a second because there's a motive that is pushing you to rush this, right? There's, there's a motive that's getting you wanting to hurry up and do this. Versus taking a step back and saying, okay, this is a natural progression. In order to actually build trust and emotional intimacy, it takes time. So you're not going to just hop on, you know, and there it is, right? So you incorporate this person slowly into your life. Um, I know I'm being very vague here and I can give more examples if you want more clarity with this, but you're slowly incorporating somebody into your life to then to the point where they are part of your life. And then from there, right, you respect each other in terms of what your careers are, what your goals are, what your passions are, you support each other. And if a partner gets jealous or feels left out or feels neglected, you, the partner, it's on the partner to talk about that, right? And it's on you as a partner to listen and to discuss what works for the relationship, not just works for that person or the one that's getting the blame, but how does it work for the relationship? Yes. So thinking about it more of like, this is, this is my person and we're a unit 
and yes. then kind of assessing I guess it's I guess it's more kind of going back to like that compromising piece you were talking about not compromising your goals mm-hmm. uh but basically just saying what is this gonna look like for both of us if we both both want these certain things mm-hmm. how's that gonna work for us as a unit as a partnership how can we respect each other in that way versus you're just along for the ride hope you like it or <laughs> whatever <laughs> totally and like that reminds me of anxious and avoiding attachment styles, which I don't know if you've ever talked about it on the podcast. I'll do a quick rundown of it, but secure attachment basically means you feel secure in a relationship. So you get into conflicts or you have an argument, doesn't feel pretty always. Okay. It doesn't mean you feel, don't feel uncomfortable, but it just means that you're not afraid to lose the relationship. It's not weighing on this conflict. Okay. Um, you could say, I love you in the relationship. There's no hesitation. You can talk about committing to each other. You do commit and then you move forward in the commitment, right? There's no back and forth. It doesn't mean you might not have fears and your own triggers with it, but you're able to commit and move forward. Then there's anxious attachment. What it sounds like, lots of anxiety, worried the person's going to cheat. They're going to leave you. Um, you might feel consumed that the person doesn't love you anymore or care about you. Uh, they might, forget to give you a hug goodbye out the door and you think oh no this is over they're, they're not going to want me anymore then you have avoidant attachment style avoidant attachment is uh maybe hesitation to say i love you hesitation to commit it's like let's sleep together but we're not going to label each other just yet like we need to just and i'm like to me that's still a relationship it's just an avoidant and anxious attachment style right um so you might also have somebody who's avoidant who cheats because anytime you get a little bit closer into intimacy, they push away, right? And there's a spectrum to this because not everyone who's avoidant is cheating. Um, And not everyone who's avoidant has a hard time saying, I love you. They might just have a really hard time committing into a relationship. They want their independence. They're afraid of it being taken away. They might play games. um, And then the anxious person's always chasing. So lots of times anxious and avoidance are magnets for each other. And they do this little dance of a circle over and over again. Um, And it's usually never healthy. It could go on for years, but they usually never work out. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, and I I highly encourage anyone to look at their, um, their attachment, their attachment styles. You can Google it, obviously, but that's that's really important for just learning more about yourself and what you maybe tend to lean on. And there's also a bunch of resources. Like if one attachment style seems very um, relevant or resonates with you, there's different, there's different things you can look at. It's not again, like, Oh my God, I'm stuck in this and I can't change. Like, right. Not a loom and doom thing. Awesome. Well, what piece of, you know, advice or homework do you want to give the listeners um, just to examine their uh, romantic relationships a little further? I love journaling and I know journaling could be so like overused and it's, but it's, it's simple. There's a reason everyone talks about journaling. I would journal out like what your fears are, what your fears are around relationships or dating, what you want in a partner. What are some of those deal breakers? What would stop you from enforcing a deal breaker in a relationship? Um, And I just think just kind of starting to pull the curtain back that way, it doesn't need to be intense. And you can just kind of free flow. Um, But I think journaling is a beautiful exercise because we have lots of thoughts and feelings. And sometimes we're a little embarrassed to share it with others when it comes to relationships and dating. But I will tell you right now, 
you are not alone. I have had so many clients say to me, oh my God, I can't believe I have to say this or I haven't told anybody this. And I'm like, I just heard it in my session yesterday with another client. So, um, but I think just starting there to have the awareness uh, is a really big piece of clarity for dating and relationships. Beautiful. I love that. And if someone wanted to contact you, where could they find you? Yeah. So you can head to my website, Carla Romo, Carla with a C. Romo like Tony Romo. And if you are interested in working with me, go to my work with me page. And then also I'm on Instagram, all my handles, TikTok, um, you know, as well at I am Carla Romo. Perfect. And you all can find that in the show notes. Thank you so much for Carla for coming on this, on this episode. I really, really appreciate your advice. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks Paige. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for taking the time. Thank you to my listeners out there. Remember every single day provides a lesson, go out there, dream big, and I'll catch you next week. And now a quick shout out to our sponsor. If this podcast truly resonates with you, take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your social media story. Tag me on Instagram or Facebook. And my handle is at pagemitchell.coach. I'm so excited to see what you shared and connect with you. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take care.